morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I hope you guys have been having a wonderful day. I know I am, and I am super excited that Thanksgiving is only a few days away. I can't wait to bring some containers and take some leftovers home. Because honestly, I'm not going to be cooking for the next few days. So coming home, knowing I got some turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, some stuffing with gravy, is such a godsend. But anyway, you're not here to talk about the list of food I'll be eating. You're here to listen to my opinion and review of the MCU's latest flop, The Marvels. And by God, was this movie bad. I mean, they already reported that this movie made less opening day than The Flash. Opening weekend, too. And that's insane. That's not something you want to hear. I think it slightly made more than The Blue Beetle. Which is still kind of bad because honestly, Marvel has been known for kicking out movies that have been big blockbusters. But recently, that hasn't been the case. And I'm not going to lie. When I went to see this movie, I had hopes that it was not going to flop. Especially since they were adding other characters like Photon, which was Monica Rambeau and Miss Marvel. Even though her show was kind of slow at times and not serious, I thought bringing her to a big cosmic adventure will basically boost the movie and make it more likable. But I was wrong. I left the movie thinking, Wow, was this a terrible movie. I mean, when I saw the trailer for this movie, I was excited. The dynamic seemed interesting. I was very curious how they're going to work with them switching uh, sides or switching locations whenever they use their powers at the same time. And one of the interesting parts of this movie was it was supposed to be only 90 minutes. But during those 90 minutes, I kept looking back at my watch thinking to myself, oh my god, when is this movie going to end? And I get it, there were signs that this movie wasn't going to be good, especially before the reshoots. You had the director talking about how this movie wasn't her movie. This was a Kevin Feige movie. It didn't motivate me to want to watch this movie even more because when a director is kind of shifting blame from themselves and saying this movie is going to be bad, that's never a good sign. And it was kind of perplexing looking up this director whose name is basically Neo DaCosta who directed maybe a couple movies beforehand before giving an opportunity to direct an MCU movie. And that movie previously, I don't remember the other one, but one of them was the Candyman movie that came out a couple years ago years back which wasn't honestly that good so I don't see how they were able to go from that movie to saying hey we're trusting you with an MCU movie but maybe they saw something that clearly wasn't shown in her recent work which was the Marvels but like I said the story felt rushed at times and incoherent with each other and you basically had a movie which was short so you could have just went to the point without trying to introduce so much stuff and just having someone explain half the other stuff away it, it just it just didn't help this movie at all and one of the interesting plot points that the movie ignored was what happened in Secret Wars because apparently this takes place after Secret Wars but if you just didn't watch Secret Wars it, you wouldn't have noticed at all which is a shame considering how much stuff happened in Secret Wars especially with the scrolls and they do show up in this movie I mean there's a lot of problems and we're going to be talking to them about them bit by bit first let's talk about the villain wow the villain was one of the most if not the most forgettable 
villains in the MCU. The entirety of the time she was on screen, I had no interest. She was that bad. And honestly, I thought Disney was done with one and done character villains. Because in the beginning of the MCU, of course, you had villains that were taken out, killed, and all that stuff in the beginning, and sometimes in the more recent movies. But a lot of times Disney has been keeping them on the sidelines like, hey, this person's been defeated, we're gonna letting them live so they can come back in some type of capacity, which was really cool and really fun, especially with some of the other villains, like, well, let's see, the Vulture, uh, the High Evolutionary, uh, who else is another villain that survived? Um, I mean, half the Spider-Man crew, but you still had villains that came could come back. But with this one, I just, I guess they were like, hey, this character isn't well known, so we'll just kill them off, which is fine, but they gotta remember, if you're going to do a one and done villain, make them remarkable. Make them go, oh my God, this character is really good. But they didn't. And I get a lot of people are angry that they gender swapped Dar Ben, who was the villain in the Marvels. But for me, I didn't care about that. And here's why. In the comics, Dar Ben isn't a Captain Marvel villain, first off. She or he was a Silver Surfer villain and had his first appearance in Silver Surfer issue 53. Now, here's the funny thing about this character, too. This character showed up for three issues from different comics and died. This character was never resurrected, nor was he mentioned ever again. So Marvel race swapping this character and gender swapping as well. I mean, it wasn't really a big issue considering the comic version was only there for three issues. I didn't see the big deal. And one thing also was this was Marvel's chance in redeeming this unknown character and making them likable, but they failed miserably. I mean, the motivations were extremely forgettable. Like, oh my God, our planet is dying. Let me go destroy other planets and blah, 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 blah. I mean, there wasn't any structure to her plan. It was just, I'm just gonna do stuff and hope it works. I mean, even when she went on her big villain speech, it just felt like we were just ch marking uh, check in the box. We were like, okay, big villain speech, this is done. Somehow super powerful, that's another thing. And the only thing that was really interesting about this character was she was basically good looking. That was basically it. And her powers were inconsistent. It felt like she basically had plot armor the entire time until the last fight. And I don't understand how her band, her quantum band, made her overpowerful and overpowered, but why Kamala's didn't as well. That was the other thing. I'm like, wait a minute. How the heck does one band make this person be able to somewhat keep up with Captain Marvel? But Kamala's right there and her band doesn't do anything. And the way she basically was defeated, it was with a stab wound from debris that fell from the ceiling. I'm there thinking like, that's it? A stab wound is the one that kind of took her out. Nobody, she was able to take huge punches, blasts, and all that stuff, but a punch. Uh, not a punch, a stab. Stupidest thing ever. And of course, this is before she imploded. But it was so dumb. Even her weapon, this hammer, that was just explained to be one of the most powerful hammers in the universe. Well, that was, okay, I guess that counts for something. But when Captain Marvel stole the hammer... It didn't do anything for her to help her defeat Dar Ben. Like I said, her powers were inconsistent and it felt like plot armor was basically put on the villain until the last minute. It was just terrible. And here's the thing. If you're going to make a character mysterious, do what James Gunn did with Roman the De Ronan the Destroyer. 
or and all that stuff. Do that. I mean, he was basically built up to be this bad guy. How he basically had a history of destroying worlds. Build the character up. Don't just say, oh yeah, he did this. And not show anything and be like, okay, now they're powerful for whatever reason. Especially going up against Captain Marvel. She's supposed to be one of the most powerful MCU characters out there. And you can't just explain away, oh yeah, she's able to keep up because of this. I mean, at least with Ronan, he had the freaking power stone. And he was up against the Guardians, who none of them have cosmic abilities. It's just super weird. Honestly, I felt like they could have replaced this person with anybody. I mean, they could have replaced him with Annihilus. At least that would have tied the Quantum Bands to the Annihilus's home dimension. It would have made a lot more sense. But you know what? I guess they wanted an all-female team versus an all-female villain. But it hurt them in the end. It really did. Next, we're going to be talking about Monica Rambeau. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Her character was decent. There was a reason she had to be there. And it made sense. She had a connection with Captain Marvel. And not to mention, if you guys watched WandaVision, she got offered a part of Saber. So there was a reason for her to be there. And I'm not going to lie. She did have some funny scenes, especially in the beginning of the movie, when she tried to save Miss Marvel and she flew up to the sky, but realized as soon as she tried to catch her, she couldn't because her powers basically make solid objects go through her. So they had to use Miss Marvel's powers to basically save them both. Like I said, she did have some funny scenes. Her uh, interactions with Captain Marvel were stiff, but it made sense in the beginning because you're like, okay, this is their first meeting after so many years. They hadn't spoken since Monica's mother died. So I get it. It's supposed to be kind of stiff and awkward. But that basically continued throughout the entire movie, which just felt bad. It felt like the, the actresses didn't have any chemistry at all. And during the dream sequence they had where they were basically going through uh, Kamala's memories and they kind of leaked through to Captain Marvel's where she's talking to her mom and all that stuff before she died. I was expecting some real emotion, some real energy to start to shine between the characters and then nothing. It was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then just hug. I mean, you had a chance to really explore the characters and you threw it all away. And in the end, where she basically sacrificed herself by closing the rifts, I was thinking in my head, why did she have to be on the other side of the rift to close it? I felt like she could have been on the MCU side and close it from there, but I guess they needed to set up the crossover with the X-Men because honestly, that was the best part of the entire movie was the cameo from the X-Men, which I'll talk about a little later. But one thing I will say is her acting really kind of showed when she saw her mother in another dimension, which was kind of heartbreaking, especially when she started to confess all the things that were on her mind some stuff that she wasn't able to tell her mother it was kind of heartbreaking especially like I said her mother died while she was blipped so seeing her be able to basically confess and say all the things she wanted to it was a really nice touching scene I wish it wasn't kind of rushed for like a oops joke but I mean you get what you get now another character I want to talk about is Miss Marvel and I will say she was one of the best parts of the Marvels. I mean, her portrayal on screen stole the show. I mean, her positivity was so infectious. 
And the actress did a good job portraying Miss Marvel, especially as a fangirl in the beginning and all that stuff. I did question why this hero was in this movie considering she did not bring anything big to the fight. I mean, I guess her connection was the quantum band, but it just felt really weak. And when she was able to fight against all these, um, other characters, especially since they had superhuman strength. It was kind of weird to see her going from, oh, I can barely fight and somewhat fight to, oh, I'm a skilled fighter now. But I guess you learn better on your feet. But like I said, she was definitely one of the best parts of the movie. I did kind of find it frustrating how hard it was for the characters, the main characters, to try to take the quantum bands off uh, Dar Ben's hand. But it was super easy for Darben to take it uh, the quantum band off of Ms. Marvel's. That I felt it was really weird. And one thing also that I felt was really weak was how easy she got over seeing like a mass genocide. It was like, oh my God, all these people died. We couldn't save them all. And then uh, basically the next scene, it's like, oh, okay, never mind. We all hugged. It's all good. Like I said, the writing was a little inconsistent there. You'd figure that would kind of stay with the character, but it felt like it didn't. But I guess you got to do what you got to do with a 90 minute movie, even though other movies shorter or just as much has done better with the time they've been allocated. But hey, that's just me. Another thing I wanted to talk about, and I've mentioned it before, and one of the most frustrating things about the movie was its inconsistency. And again, this was supposedly supposed to take place after Secret Invasion, but nothing in the movie actually shows that it does. It seems like they decided to ignore what happened during that entire show. And I mean, at the end of Secret Invasion, Fury was basically depressed. He was angry, thinking about all the stuff that had happened, everything that had happened because he decided not to fulfill his promise. And then we cut to the Marvels where he's back to being cheerful, back to being happy making jokes as if the events of secret invasion never happened and another thing there were scrolls living on other planets other planets that were habitable and a good environment like they freaking had another colony what was the point of the secret invasion then I mean, the whole point of Secret Invasion was, hey, we're not getting a colony. We're, we, we haven't found you guys a home. We're stuck on Earth, so we're going to make Earth our new home. Like, what was that? You're basically showing us, no, they already had a colony out in space, which had a habitable, habitable environment for the scrolls to live on. I'm there thinking to myself, well, this doesn't make any sense. It's like the writers for both projects didn't speak to each other, which honestly I believe was the case. And one thing as well was the fact that, hey, all, everyone with light powers were affected by everything that was happening. I kept thinking to myself, what happened to the scroll girl that basically inherited all the powers of the, uh, the MCU characters? Like, what happened to her? Wasn't she now the most powerful character in the MCU, basically having Captain Marvel's powers as well? Why wasn't she affected? And again, my guess is because if she was there, the movie would have ended in five minutes. So we're basically going to ignore everything that happened in Secret Invasion. Again, it was just very frustrating. Another thing that kind of ticked me off was how easily it was for Saber to be disabled and their defense is gone. It was like, hey, 
we basically built Saber up to be this most powerful organization after S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was taken out super easily. I will say that one of the best parts in the movie and it just didn't make sense especially since it was already proven that when the cat goose eats somebody they're eating it's they're just bones was when all the kittens to save everybody had to eat all the crew members in Saber for them to survive. I, again, I get that there was inconsistency there, that it was kind of frustrating they're ignoring the fact that once a cat eats something, they're dead. I will say I did enjoy that though. Seeing everybody run for their lives as they're supposedly supposed to get eaten was funny, especially when it came to Miss Marvel, like basically blocking their escape so they can be eaten. Oh my God, I will give them credit when credit is due. I actually found that freaking hilarious and enjoyable. We're like, ah, we're fine, get eaten. This is for your own good. That was, I, I like I said, that was entertaining. I loved it, even though I felt like it was inconsistent. So I guess devil's advocate there. Uh, one thing also that absolutely made no sense was to have Miss Marvel's family be a part of the movie. However, with me saying that, I will say they were one of the best parts of the movie, especially when they decided to try to help Miss Marvel and the other characters fight the freaking uh, goons when they were in her their house. I love that. They were basically trying to fight like regular people trying to help out their family, their daughter, fight back against these bad guys. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy the mother threatening Nick Fury and Captain Marvel if they didn't return her daughter in one piece. Like I said, even though they had no reason to be there, I did enjoy them being there. They were a big highlight. Now, lastly, I want to talk about Captain Marvel, the supposed main character of the movie and one of the most powerful people in the MCU. And by God, was she depowered in this movie? And I get it. They needed to make her depowered so she can fight uh, Darben, which who wasn't even that powerful in the beginning. Like I said, I don't even know why they chose Dar Ben. I mean, they could have picked the brood and have her go up against the brood queen. If they wanted to keep the female, uh, the female thing going, pick the brood. They were so easy and they could have introduced such a horror aspect to the MCU. But again, that's just me. Another good character would have been Annihilus. It would have made sense for them to fight him, especially since they're going with different dimensions. Again, that's just me throwing some good ideas out there. But, I mean, I they were really trying to make this character likable because in the past, this character hasn't been well-liked and a lot of this could be attributed to the actress herself, especially with some of the stuff she has said in the past. And I gotta say, while their attempts were interesting to say the least, it really didn't help at all. I mean, her singing and basically turning into some type of princess was kind of cringy. And I kept asking myself, what are we doing? What are we watching? Why are we here? It just felt like they were like, oh my God, look at her. She's a Disney princess now. It just, it just didn't make sense. And they were trying way too hard to make her likable. And on top of that, the fact that it felt like the actress didn't want to be a part of this movie in the first place doesn't really help the cause to make Captain Marvel likable. Now with saying that, I really hope the next time she's on screen, she's able to basically redeem herself and given a good script, can definitely make everybody turn a 180 on how they perceive Captain Marvel. And I hope that's the case because she honestly is a really interesting interesting character and I think if she is written well everybody else could see that too but until then it's just it's just a really bad character a part of a really bad movie which nobody is going to want to see another one of 
Now, with that being said, the biggest part of the movie that brought a huge smile on my face was the after credits. With you having Kelsey Grammer come back to play Beast... Oh my god, did that bring a smile to my face. Because while he did play Beast in one movie and had a cameo in another, he basically was the embodiment of the 90s cartoon Beast. He was amazing, I'm super glad that he's going to be back, and I can't wait how the interactions with the X-Men and the Avengers with whatever is left of them is going to be. Especially since they confirmed, hey, this isn't the universe that Doctor Strange ran into, this is another one where we're gonna see probably Deadpool and a bunch of the other other characters as well. I'm excited for that and it was really cool. Another uh, like before the credit scene that happened which I thought was pretty dumb was the whole tease about them going to be a young Avengers film especially when Kevin Feige already confirmed that's not going to happen and besides even if they decided to do a young Avengers film with the roster they have it doesn't look good. I mean what do you have? Uh, Ironheart, uh, Miss Marvel, uh, the other Hawkeye, I mean that's it. Oh, of course you have um, the other Ant-Man Hope or whatever. But besides that, you really don't have a good roster at all. You really don't. I mean, none of them are big enough names to be like, oh my God, I want to see Thor. I want to see Iron Man. I want to see Captain America. I want to see Black Widow and Hawkeye and all that stuff. None of the ca- these new characters really bring in that type of, oh my God, I need to see this energy. They really don't. And I'm just praying that if they do decide to do a Young Avengers thing, it's kind of like on the sidelines where they decide to team up and Spider-Man is their leader. Because honestly, nobody that is young in the MCU and is a young hero have the experience or the know-how to actually lead a group unless they're Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man is young enough around their age to be like, you know what? I got this. I'm going to lead you. Now that would be a good movie. Spider-Man as the leader, I think that would draw some people to the seats. Because with the MCU Spider-Man being so successful, anything that he's in, especially after the events of Spider-Man No Way Home, we'll want to see what's next in Peter Parker's life, especially with Venom being there. Ooh, that would be a pretty good one. Spider-Man getting the Venom suit and the Young Avengers being there to try to calm him down? That would be kind of cool. But you know what? That would be something to see in the future if they even get that far. But with that being said, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys have a good one. And just a heads up, there is no new episode next week because I'm going to be taking a little Thanksgiving break. So I hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And I hope you have enough food in your belly to make you want to fall asleep and have a long, long nap. But with that being said, sayonara. See you later, and have a good one. Goodbye.